Welcome to MindLob, the hive mind antidote for conservative Christians that want to form their own conclusions. And now your host, Ken Carroll. Welcome to MindLob. This episode, we're going to be talking about Genesis. It will likely span several episodes. I have a ton of notes and graphics. Um, obviously, podcasting, you're not going to be able to see the visuals. But I have a proposition. If you jump over to mindlob.com and wait on the homepage just for a few seconds, a window is going to pop up. And the subject of the, the window is going to say, Become a Mind Lobber. Now, if you plug in your email address and you subscribe, what we're going to do is send you notifications of when the next podcast is going to be released, but we're also going to send you some graphics so that you can pull up and see the visuals that I've created, and you can use them to go along with uh, during your listening to our podcast. So if you like what we're doing, I welcome you to go in. Absolutely no charge for any of this. It's free. Um, but it's just a way where you can follow along a little bit better on some of these subjects. And now, let's start talking about Genesis a little bit. So, before I get into the actual text of Genesis, I would like to kind of have an open discussion about the world that we live in. You know, if we look at ourselves carefully, we are interpreting everything around us through five senses. This is a good home base for us to kind of realize where we're at. You know, we got our sight, we've got our hearing, we got our smell, we've got our taste, our touch, we've got our interpretive mechanisms. This is how we interact. And so the first thing is, is we have to ask ourselves, do we truly trust our senses? And if we do trust our senses and that they're consistent, we need to ask, well, why do we trust our senses? Uh, if they're made through mindless processes, then the, the idea of trying to create some objective reality that our senses are communicating accurately to us and giving us the same information individually and corporately is a challenge. I mean, a lot of people just take that for given and say, well, if person A sees the color blue and person B sees the color blue, then what we can do is safely assume that both entities are looking at the color blue and if you do enough of that, then you can say, okay, the collective all see the color blue, minus anomalies such as people who are colorblind and cannot see that particular color, we would say that that color is blue. So to start from a sampling and then start applying it to multiple people and then multiplying that outward and going outward, uh, that's known as inductive reasoning. Inductive reasoning is just having a sample, seeing that it's consistent, and then safely assuming that the balance of information would also be consistent. So in the example, we would assume after a certain point that there's not a whole group that does not see red or blue, and therefore blue is blue. Uh, now most of knowledge that's gathered today from people is through inductive reasoning, primarily because we don't have a comprehensive, all-knowing view of everything, everywhere, all the time. And so what we do is we look at certain things and we say, well, this looks like it always happens. And since it looks like it always happens, then we're going to assume that that is consistent. And so we're going to imply inductive reasoning to whatever we're looking at. So 
it doesn't mean that it's comprehensive. It doesn't mean that it's conclusive. What it does mean is that we have a lot of evidence and a lot of proofs to show that those things are consistent. And the consistency, therefore, is what we're, we're gauging in, in concepts of reality. And we're taking those concepts and gauging those into truth. And then we start building precepts on those uh, fundamental ideas of what we think we perceive. Now, if the senses are all wrong and we're, you know, we're in a, a like for example, if you were in a, a vat and your brain was in this, in this vat and you were in a jar and electrodes were stimulating your brain to where you thought you were seeing things, thought you were hearing things, uh, thought you were interacting with people. In reality, none of that stuff exists and all your senses of touch and everything are all just stimulated from the brain, you really wouldn't have any way to know that or not know that. And so in philosophy, there's a lot of questions about what can really we know as human beings. And the reason I'm telling you this is not because I don't think that we have a framework from which we can judge things and look at things. But what I am suggesting is that this should put us in a very humble position. We should look at our reality and realize that we are very finite indiv individuals. Collectively, we're a group, right? And what we do is we take these five senses that we have, we go out, we start evaluating things, and when we evaluate these things, then we start to draw conclusions. And then we start to build these, these interpretations. So I think we're all on the same page with that, but I think we need to fundamentally understand that and just have it on the table. So the next factor we need to realize is that none of us have all knowledge. None of us have comprehensive knowledge about the majority of things in which we make decisions. A lot of times the decisions that we make are based upon external influences. So the idea is we do give authority. It doesn't matter if it's your pastor. It doesn't matter if it's a minister, the government, NASA, an education system, a search engine, social media feeds, parents, friends, uh, religions, um, holy text, what, whatever it is, you are using these as filters in conjunction with your senses to make decisions about the world in which we live. Now, what you're also probably doing is taking an accumulation of information and at some point you're creating a bias toward a certain predisposition and so when you make this bias toward this predisposition then what that does is aids your ability to kind of make these quick rash decisions even though you have absolutely no comprehensive deductive view what you're doing is using selective reasoning, selective thoughts, selective interpretations to draw a conclusion based on something that's being presented to you. So, for example, if we were to use as a hot button, say, COVID-19, and I were to tell you, hey, I think that COVID-19 is a tool being used by people in power to gain more control over nations and people. Now, you're going to take that statement, you're immediately going to process it, you're going to run it through filters 
of resources, things that you trust, because you don't have comprehensive knowledge if that is being done or if that's not being done. All you know is that you've been presented with something and now, you've, now you want to deal with it. Now you can disregard it as fluff or you can accept it, but you're not making that based on comprehensive knowledge. You're, you're basing that on other, other uh, aspects. So again, that needs to be something that's humbling. And the same thing would be true if I were to say that, you know, COVID-19 is uh, spreading. We all need to wear our mask. We need to really respect what the media and the, the news is telling us. And we need to be very careful. And our politicians have our best interest in mind and we can trust the government. Now, if I were to give you that presentation, your mind also processes things as well. And so you're going to come up with a conclusion, again, not because you have comprehensive knowledge, not because your interpretation is necessarily better than anyone else's interpretation, but basically you're using that in conjunction with these filters that you trust in order to kind of come up with a conclusion on what to do about that information that's being presented. So the humbling aspect is, it doesn't matter. You know, one of the things that, that was brought up uh, historically is the idea that, you know, pastors and, and preachers and, and religious teachers kind of held the, the keys to right and wrong and heaven and truth and interpretation. And they kind of held the keys to everything. And so today's time, what a lot of people will do is say, you know what? Now we're above that, so we don't need anyone to tell us what to think. And the text, the religious text, or you know, they have a feeling about that. But instead of having a religious point of reference, now they've put other things in that uh, hierarchy structure in their thinking system. And so you may have an aspiration to believe the scriptures. But at the same time, what you're doing is probably parsing that through several filters, and one may be through um, materialism. And if you're, you're trying to interpret something through materialism and you're taking the scriptures, then what you do is you're trying to reconcile the two if you believe that they're both are equally true to each other. And if you believe one may be more accurate and more grounded than the other, then you're going to lean more toward materialism and then you're going to compromise the other the other filters to kind of bring everything into more of a, a focus based upon the filters that you trust or don't trust. So the mind process is fairly complicated and when someone were to say you know I don't trust X I like to think for myself those same people will jump over to their search engine and then they'll look up information and then they'll base it solely on whatever other mechanism they have. It's something no one can really get away from. Even if you look at where we've come from scientifically, you know, we're still looking at information that is human driven and human motivated. So if we look at, you know, evolutionary processes, and we were to consider different concepts such as uh, gradualism versus punctuated equilibrium, which gradualism basically just means things gradually change over a long period of time. And punctuated equilibrium means that 
some people say there's huge jumps in evolution and it's not gradual and there's a debate about this now if you believe in evolution and you believe that happened you have different interpretations within it and where you go with that is going to be based upon the people that you trust so these are th these are concepts that are very important as you get into Genesis because as you do you need to understand that you already have a bias you already have a predisposition to believe or compromise certain things and certain concepts now I'm not telling you this so that I can bring you into Genesis and give you some lofty expectation or give you some version of Genesis that may be taught or may not be taught so that I can so I can compromise your position or your filters matter of fact I would say I'm not doing that what I want you to do is be very cognizant of the filters in which you're using as an interpretive mechanism and understand that you're putting them on the top shelf of what you're referring to as you're deciding how to interpret things and then once you do that then I think what it's going to do is help bring things into light and at some point you really need to ask yourself are these filters the right filters because just as you may hold on to certain filters in your life to interpret the world around you other people are using completely different filters and they're seeing the world in a completely different way than you see it so looking at the world from a materialistic perspective where everything is chance and everything is you know uh, evolutionary processes is a lot different than someone who looks at the world as something created by God and we're going to get into miracles and things like that as well but every worldview it doesn't matter if you're a materialist or not every worldview has miracles it's that easy there's there's not really a way around that so with that being said I think we can all agree on this fundamental basis the other thing I would probably just add, just in addition to the filters that we use, is the idea of it's how we're, we're sold the filters. So, you know, if you were to go through, and let's just take NASA for example, and I were to say, in my filter of NASA, maybe that it's a bunch of neutral, scientific, really smart individuals who are just out to explore the universe, uh, explore systems, do the different things that NASA does. It's very altruistic and it's very well-meaning. So now I've got a filter of just NASA in that capacity. I could flip it. They get funded with tons and tons of money every year. And so there's political motivations. There's all these factors involved that would be associated around money and power and authority and credibility. And so then you take that same filter and you look at it through that lens and you go, hmm, do, do I trust it when I flip the lens in the other direction? But oftentimes what happens is, is we are sold what that lens is and then we choose either to buy that interpretation or we choose to reject it and then accept our own interpretation. So if we zoom out, you know, get away from the COVID-19, a very basic idea would be the shape of the Earth. Now, most people are going to say it's round. An oblate spheroid, I believe, is how some people would, would actually classify it. But some people are saying, well, we don't know that. And the reason they're saying they don't know it is because they don't trust NASA. 
they don't trust the the images that are generated and so they've gone through and they've looked at the images and the size of the continents and they look at different aspects and so they have a lot of doubts about what we're being told by NASA now if you have a very altruistic view of NASA you're going to think that that person's being absurd why if you've got a different view you've got that government money manipulation power ulterior motives view uh, I want to refer I'm not going to I'm going to refrain from using the word conspiratorial because it's been militarized um, in our minds but if you were to take the view of it being not altruistic now we've got a whole other issue you know now we go well do we do we trust it and so then you get into the photos and you research the photos and find out that a lot of them are composites they're not original images you see what I'm saying there there's regardless of how you feel about it the question is is are you going to put them in a position of power in your mind to settle the question of the shape of the earth that quickly inside of your head now if you do that's fine but I recommend that you, you keep it within the framework of understanding where you're placing that filter in your thought process so how does this relate to Genesis it's mainly setting the cards up in a way where you realize the filters in which you interpret the world around you and you need to become cognizant of that as we dive into things otherwise the filters are going to get in the way now I'm not saying education gets in the way I'm not saying common sense gets in the way because these are tools where if God is real the Bible is real then there are certain things that we should be able to trust now I think as believers in the Christian faith we're in a much better position because if we believe in creation and that God made everything then there are objective realities and there is a calibration of the five senses and there is a a reliability factor in common sense and uh, also our interpretive mechanisms when they're not polluted so this is very important because what it says at the end of the day is that it doesn't matter if you are the smartest guy on the planet it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't have matter how much research you've done you are still limited to five senses and your brain that's encased in a skull that is interpreting the world around you solely based upon what those five senses are giving the brain to use the cognitive ability in the five senses is it we are restricted to a certain place in space and time we can access the keys of the future and the wisdom of the past now I don't suggest that everybody does that I don't suggest it I'm just saying become aware of these things and this is going to help us as we dive further into Genesis so the lenses at which you view the world you're going to have to be very cautious about these lenses some of the lenses may be skewed to toward a certain view of the world more than others these can be search engines they can be instructors they can be parents friends whatever may have you the key is for you to chisel away as much as you can at the interpretation and get to the core truths and then evaluate those core truths and then keep that in perspective and keep that in perspective with the finite nature of humans we simply are not going to be all-knowing 
we are simply not going to get there. And so by doing so, we need to find comfort in the fact that as we look at the mysteries of the world and as we look at enigmas, and if the answers cannot present themselves, sure, we can guess, we can shoot for the stars, but at the same time, become very aware at what point the facts are left and the interpretations begin. Because the interpretations can be the place where we dream, we think, we come up with ideas, but they're not on the same level as facts. And if we start to adopt the interpretations as facts, then it's going to skew our ability to neutrally look at virtually anything without adopting someone's perspective or a group's perspective. And unfortunately, as humans, uh, interpretations and being the guy with the answers can also lead to, you know, motivations that are less unhonorable, money, power, and all the other things that have plagued mankind since the beginning of time. So with that, I'm going to uh, leave our first week diving into the introduction of Genesis. I look forward to seeing you next time. And if you do want those graphics and additional information, make sure to jump over to mindlob.com. Add your email address. We'll shoot you future episodes and also include uh, additional information such as graphics, etc. as they become available. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit mindlob.com to learn more.